0: Welcome back everyone uncaged wisdom has returned with what could even be considered season two this next bundle of episodes forms part of the work we're doing for cheetah digital signal series 2020 check out more on our website cheetahdigital.com forward slash signals over the next few weeks kayla and i will have the pleasure of interviewing some of the best minds across our client and partner network we will be focusing on specific topics within specific industries In this week's episode, we're talking to one of our favorite partners, Authentic, an award-winning digital agency that's closing the gap between strategy, creative, and technology. Our broad subject, why financial service firms must personalize across all customer touchpoints. So let's get going. David Rowe, over to you.
1: My name is David Rowe. I'm one of the partners with Authentic. Uh, My background is really in technology. I've been a programmer, um, all my life and it's it's been pretty much in the the digital uh, digital content digital experience space uh, overall me and my partners uh, founded uh, authentic about six years ago and though we started out really uh, with a basis in technology uh, we acquired an agency about four years ago and now we really look at ourselves as as an interactive agency uh, we focus very much on what our how our customers customers uh, talk, touch, see, read, um, any of those things that, that work from an interactive perspective, um, our goal is to, to be the best at it. It's a real passion of ours.
0: Now, David, we heard on the grapevine that financial services are a bit of a sweet spot. FinServe is definitely a, a sweet spot uh, for us. It's, um, you know, it's probably, and it
1: varies at times, uh, anywhere between 60 and 40 percent of our, our business overall. Um, you know, no one in our organization heads up a, a, a vertical practice, but I, I, focus on it probably primarily, um, you know, some of our clients right now they're working with are Ameriprise, uh, we've been working on ameriprise.com for, uh, for, for years now, and they have a, n- a number of different sites on there. Capital One, uh, as well as Franklin Templeton is one we just kicked off with too.
0: What's some of the challenges that you get asked or that you see, which are quite unique perhaps to to FinServe, what are some of the mm-hmm. things that they'll be coming to you because we need to help try to improve or to basically crack open something completely new?
1: I'm not sure the FinServe world even thinks of it this way, but I find it to be the absolute most fascinating vertical out there uh, to work with. And um, a lot of people wouldn't think that necessarily about um, or, you know mm. a vertical that really contains banking and you know uh, financial advice and insurance and those sorts of things. But if you think about it, it's the one vertical that has really no intellectual property in it, none, none whatsoever. I mean, and and in fact, it's even forced to not have any intellectual property on it. You have to release all these uh, various details about what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, You know, there's a huge compliance factor on it. You know, what really has differentiated for financial services over the years have been the interpersonal connections that they've been able to uh, form with their customers, their culture, you know, the culture of who they are, what they're doing and so on and so forth. But when, you know, and even before uh, we all got on Zooms, you know, there had been a reduction in terms of the capability to connect with customers from an interpersonal perspective. When you combine that with the fact that, you know, for years now, uh, pretty much coming out of the world of Sarbanes-Oxley, financial services, the from a digital perspective, their number one priority was really around compliance. And so if you, and you should see when we go in and we talk to a lot of these folks, you know, the systems that we see, the the uh, checks that are in place, the processes that they follow, everything is really designed ar- around a compliance uh, model. And not that that should go away and not that that should be avoided, but that had been the number one priority. And now what we're seeing is a shift towards being able to uh, communicate and connect directly and digitally with their customers. We still need to do the same compliance checks that we had before, but rather than that being our highest priority, we're now looking at bringing that customer service model, um, you know, to these individuals and really not just communicating, um, not just communicating stats and details and marketing type elements, but also um, why, you know, a certain organization is different, their Mm -hmm. philosophy towards investments and retirement and so on, or even insurance for that matter.
0: I've never thought of uh, financial services like that in terms of intellectual property, but yeah, you're absolutely right.
1: There is one great, and I love this thought experiment. There is one great if we if we if we if we just go back in history a little bit, can we ask the question, are there any thin serve uh, companies that um, you know are servicing their customers directly and digitally, uh, first and foremost? Um, and of course, you know, given the fact that there's no intellectual property with it, what happens? And we have to. We have Geico and Progressive, who are spending quite a bit of money on their digital experiences, their advertising. You know, that's the only real intellectual property that they have are those brands and how they interact with mm. those customers. You know, that is our our end game. That is the that is the result that we'll see. Is that you need to be digital, you need to be out front, you need to have a brand, you need to have one that differentiates, um, and it needs to have uh, it. It needs to bring a value to your customer that replaces what you would have if you know we didn't have a if we had a product or service that was patentable for instance
0: so in a few years what you're saying
1: is we'll be able to just do business with the geico gecko instead of people right <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you would <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you would i mean you can right now really yeah
0: he's, is he's there stealing his accent from from england what a guy
1: I'll tell you my favorite one is the alligator arms uh, uh, commercial, where they're all eating at a table and there's an alligator there. Have you seen this one? I'm sure you can find a spot for it.
0: Thank you for dining with us. Hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much.
1: I got this. Just
0: got to reach the check. Almost there.
1: I can't reach it. If you have alligator arms, you avoid picking up the check. What?
0: That's what you do. To to be successful with your financial services product, you need to own the messaging and the marketing behind it.
1: Yeah, you you need to be able to, it's just like anything, you need to be able to attract uh, customers, you need to be able to inform those customers, and then ultimately you need to be able to service them. And so when you start working from a digital perspective, uh, there's a service element to it, which is where I think messaging certainly comes into play from a a cheetah perspective, Mm -hmm. and it's one of the reasons... Uh, we really enjoy the tools and messaging capabilities uh, in the cheetah stack if you don't have the infrastructure to do it there digitally someone else is just going to come along and copy of it successful and now you you know now you've lost market share
0: when financial service brands are talking about delivering uh, more tailored messages um, or personalized messaging across digital Starting on with the broad brush, what are the, the most important sort of touch points that you see or you're encouraging them to,
1: to, to pursue? Philosophically, from a platform perspective, what we're trying to do is take um, the hard and fast services that financial services companies often have. So things like log in, check my balance, pay a bill, um, any of those elements, right, what we're, we're trying to do is move those into a service-oriented model. And we do that for a couple of reasons. One, usually those actions, those, those platform elements can never go down. They have to be um, strictly uh, refined from a compliance perspective. They're supported by IT and all that stuff takes time. So if we can move those things into sort of generic services, right, we can separate you know, those actions from what is effectively our our UI. And the frameworks that we try to use from a UI perspective are ones that are fast, agile, and let us build in in sort of a mobile oriented way, not necessarily a mobile app way, which is certainly also something, you know, we want to look at, but something that gives us the look and feel and the capability to service a customer automatically. Now, past that point, we have a couple things. One, we have, we have uh, inbound marketing capabilities that we want to support, whether that's uh, email or social or any of those sorts of touch points, and we want to t- we want to combine that with personalization so that we can identify the motive of that of that individual in terms of what they're trying to react to now the second thing I'll throw out there is that it's really great when the financial services space, especially in the advisory world, is able to reach out and um, and have individualized messaging to um, to their customers i you know what I've seen is Um, from uh, working with uh, quite a few companies over the years, especially in the advisory world, whenever the market Mm -hmm. goes down, traffic goes up on that site. They They want to see how they're performing, what they're doing, so on and so forth. And if you have the capability to make a, or take an action as a financial services organization and then have that action, no matter what it is, um, uh, uh, move automatically through into a messaging capability that reassures or informs or gets ahead of what that message is. And you can do it automatically. Even with millions of customers, we can, we're able to segment and, and cross-check who these individuals are and get the proper message out. Um, you know, that to us is, is a customer service action. It's it's thinking about your customers and it's reacting to to things that are going on.
0: Going back to it being quite a sensitive and regulated industry, how how do financial service brands approach personalization?
1: So uh, personalization, I mean, that's a this is this is a, a a pretty big topic. You know, really across the across the board for me. Um, first off, we want to look at what our channel is. Are we are we messaging personalized information out? Is that is that going out, or are we talking about um, how someone's arriving? to our brand and what we're showing them. And wh- what I like to think about is personalization for, for me really comes into two flavors and you can mix and match them, right? There's contextual based personalization, which is, um, you know, I'm 45 years old. I live in Virginia, I'm arriving on a desktop. Like these are all context variables, um, you know, and those may be things that we can know from a signed in experience. So attributes that maybe I provided um, they can be things that we derive from uh, from our visit. You know, perhaps we you know can look at an IP address or something along those lines and figure out where somebody lives. Um, any of those variables really fall into a context-based um, uh, uh, personalization approach, right? And so and we see that a lot. I know I've spoken to. So many advisory organizations, and they usually have like three main uh, mm-hmm. main audiences. They'll, they'll, they'll say, hey, we got individual investors, financial professionals, institutional investors. And you know, to me, that's just a contextual-based personalization for who you're servicing from a, a visitor perspective. And a lot of times they'll have terms and conditions that they have to accept or whatever else. And those are just variables that we can look at and say, hey, here's the context of why I want information from this, you know, this organization. So that's it. B, the second one, and this is, this is the one where I think it gets a little bit more fun, is behavioral-based personalization, right? Which is yep. where, where somebody is acting in a certain way, and you know, we are able to derive, based on that behavior, that we want to show them something. And my favorite one to start with is, is um, uh, uh, from inbound marketing, whether it's social, whether it's an email campaign, whether it's a text link, or, or any of those sorts of things if somebody reacts to something that we've put out there, we should cover that. Like that should, <laughs> like, let's just keep that going. It's really about relevance, right? Like let's get the most relevant content and experience to an individual based on what they're looking for. And that's, that's really how we try to think about it overall. We did an experiment the other day um, to talk about messaging and t- what we're trying to do is look for, um, a personalization strategy in the financial uh, services world, and what we what we wanted to find is, you know, from a messaging standpoint, are there if you're trying to move, you know, uh, folks through, you know, a sales funnel or or a uh, uh, you know a conversion funnel, something along those lines, where you know we're attracting customers, we're bringing them in, and then ultimately they either sign with an advisor or they you know open an account or or something along those lines. Uh, You know, can we accelerate that through personalization? And the theory is, is that, uh, you know, first off, we, you have default content, you have default experiences, you have smart people who work in your organization and write the differentiating content that's out there. And so a lot of times, um, a lot of times I think uh, marketers especially get focused on personalization because... You know, it's it's active. It's something they can do, right? It's some it's like an action we can take place. But it's important to figure out that like that default content, that default experience, still has to be the best that it possibly can. Um, If you offer a personalized experience or a set of personalized messaging, that is really the outlier, right? I mean, barring contextual-based stuff, you know, I'm sure if you know somebody's in Virginia or somebody's in New York, and you're sending out different. Notes or different messages to each of those. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But if we're talking about behavioral-based personalization, or you know, what somebody is arriving on your site or is, is reacting to your messaging for, if we're if we're looking at at what that is, there should be something that we consider our default, like how we're going to talk about our product, how we're going to message it, and so on and so forth. And then usually, a lot of times, if you can get very specific on what somebody's interested in, or what their motivation is, or what that behavior is, right? you can find an outlier. And so this would be a different experience, a different message, a different piece of content. And the idea there is that they'll move faster through that conversion funnel. Now, a lot of study needs to be uh, done when we're activating personalization because we want to both make sure it's more effective, which it has to be. And if it's less effective, then you're, you're, you're wasting your time. And then also, if it's so much more effective than the default, you need to test against that as well so that you know, hey, maybe I just have a better message here.
0: How do you balance the line there around like being personalized and trying to drive that engagement, but also not being creepy? You
1: you just don't be creepy. (laughs) You know, I think (laughs) it's really it. Like don't, you know, you don't invade people's privacy, but you're trying to, you're trying to figure out the dimensions for what um, they're looking for. And, you know, you try to be relevant to it. The privacy checks are in place. I think the technology is socialized enough that you know, so long as you aren't doing something, you know, really creepy, like looking in somebody's checking account for what they, you know, purchased and then posting something on their homepage about it, you know, that I think you're, I think you are pretty safe, uh, uh, overall, you yeah. know, I mean, really, we're just trying to figure out what that, what that relevant experience is, meaning like, what are you trying to do right now? And like, let's give you more of that and, and help, help you find what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly one of the things that we're big fans of, and obviously we preach with uh, from our Mm -hmm. cheetah side is just asking people um, and doing it in a way that's again, compliant and, and it ticks all the boxes, but brands across the board, even insurance, banking, FinServe should be, Mm have the confidence to ask what's going on with their customers. People 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 like
1: it. Yeah, they like a relevant they like a relevant model and you know, it's just it's saving them time and it's making it faster and you know, personalization is a huge bucket. It basically, you know, as a definition, it's, you know, I'm I'm giving you something knowing something about you, I'm going to give you more of what you want or give you something that we think yeah. you're looking for. And so, why wouldn't you want that,
0: right? So, focusing more on the implementation side, when you guys are looking at technologies um, mm-hmm. and obviously you're a bit biased because you're your fans of us old cheaters right huge fans but what, huge fans eh, eh, thank you what are you mm-hmm. looking for with um a, a, the different types of technologies and how how you would select them or recommend people for them
1: yeah. And I hate to take an 80,000 foot level uh, view on this, but when we Do look it. at tech- David yeah, Blaine we- just
0: floated off on the blue. Right. It's so- true. It's
1: true. He did. You know, the, the, look, we, we are in an agency at uh, first and foremost, which means we are agents of our customers and nine ninety nine 99 times out of a hundred, uh, the work that we're doing, we're trying to make our customers money, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to bring our influence, our capabilities, our offerings to the table so that, Um, you know, so that they'll ultimately be successful because of us. And that almost always means, you know, more conversions, more dollars, you know, everything else. It's, it's, it's my personal dream to have our, uh, one of our customers, uh, uh, refer us to another customer and say, that's authentic. They'll make a hero out of you. Like that's, that's Mm -hmm. our goal. Right. And so when we start looking at technologies and who we want to partner with and why it first and foremost comes into that. It's, Hey, I, we understand a lot of these technologies, maybe a little bit faster, our customers do because we're immersed in it all the time not that we're smarter we're just practiced in it and so what we do is we try to look at how can we pull together an ecosystem and ultimately if i was in my customer's shoes could i make money if i use this if i use this tool and the answer with cheetah is absolutely and the reason the reason we go down that road is because what we want and the reason we like cheetah is a it, it fits the view that we that we're looking for right, which is that interactive capability to deliver a next generation level experience. You know, Cheetah offers an incredible array of SaaS services, whether it's loyalty, whether it's messaging, whether it's it's the experiences piece. All of them are built on microservices, which means that we're going to be able to consume and deliver that experience in our own presentation. Right, we're not going to have to go off and worry about like, well, are we going to have to iframe this or what it's going to look like? You know, we're able to make that Cheetah service is sort of intrinsic to the customer experience overall. Take that as number one, right? So that's our, that's the first thing that we're looking for. And then second is really the capabilities. You know, if we look at Cheetah messaging, you know, there is not a channel that we cannot service with with Cheetah messaging. Mm-hmm. You, we literally can hit. I mean, if we wanted to, we could tie a fax machine up to it. If we if we had to, right? Just using webhooks. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. there is not a channel that we we couldn't uh, we couldn't service from that capability. So. I think that's why we really, uh, where we see Cheetah differentiating the most, is really just, it. You guys really have the view of what what that next generation uh, application and service capability is, and you've woven all these technologies together to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just been a it's just been a great fit, and a great partnership. What technology or trend are you most excited
0: about in the next coming months?
1: single page applications, really, it's, it's been a kind of a constant for us, you know, that, that is uh, whether you're using React or Angular, the idea that we can, um, we can paint a different view where we can just disrupt what the traditional UI looks like um, for, uh, you know, for something on your phone or whether it's on your desktop or whatever else, the fact that you can now just by simply removing the idea of a page refresh that you can do hmm. these just amazing animations um is just it's out of this world for us and we um you know we continue to experiment and iterate on it and evolve what marketing channel is the most underrated do you think sms you know i think that yeah. ability i don't I think, you know, and I, I may, may not even be using the right, right phrase for it, but like, you know, that ability to send images and like, you know, rich content to yeah. somebody's mobile device. I just don't think, I don't think it's being used at all right now uh, in, in terms of what it could be. And yeah. if you combine that with something like a mobile app or another device or or whatever, you know, it's just, you know, simply just getting a text is, it seems like such a, it just costs, it costs more than an email, you know? And I think that's really where people are going with it is, is, is the, they've been reluctant to do it because they're like, well, I'll just send it by email, you know? And then, and also there, I think is a factor with, you know, the, uh, where it arrives and how it lands. Um, there's some questions there, but you know, from a marketing perspective, I think that is probably, you know, one of the, um, one of the hottest and, and, the, and part of the reason is, is the timeliness of it. You know, if we think of email, we think of it as, it's almost slow. If we're texting, we're having a conversation, you know, and if you can do something cool over text, You know, I think that that is a great way to attract a customer or get your message out there.
0: Great. Thank you very much, David Rowe.
1: Thank you.